mass of America is being squandered. How are we going to restore our nation back to a sensible, citizen-centric government? This is my Populism with a purpose. Welcome to Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Joyce is a businesswoman, not a politician, and she's here to offer pragmatic, possible, and postpartisan solutions for the 21st century. Now, your host for Reimagine America, Joyce Cordy. You know, one of those subjects that comes up when we talk about government, one, one of the synonyms that people sometimes use is the word greed. Rather, I mean, how often do you hear people talking about good government policy, except a couple of my friends who know who they are, who frequently post on Facebook, um, usually from the Wall Street Journal. There is a little known provision of the 2017 Tax Reform Act that right this very moment is making some of President Trump's friends even wealthier. It's called an opportunity zone. And in theory, it's a great idea. It's a really good thing in theory. Absolutely. Uh, Who doesn't want to be in a zone that provides opportunity? Uh, gee, I don't know anybody who doesn't want sign to me it. up. Where's where? Where's the zone? Where do I go? I want an I want opportunity. Well, now there are some problems with that fence because you see the designated opportunity zones that the government, you know, will will set will will determine to be a opportunity zone are areas of economic blight. So they're not the parts of Philadelphia or Washington or Los Angeles, et cetera, where you want to live. But we want to change that. Okay? There are 8,700 areas like this around the country that have been designated by the federal government that require investment capital to fund renovation and renewal projects that will create economic opportunity, jobs, and housing so that you will want to live there. There are parts of SOMA, of the south of market area in San Francisco, that are now quite nice that were designated as opportunity zones. Okay, The concept of the opportunity zone is a great idea. Um... What happened in the 2017 um, tax law was that that a provision was made that would allow wealthy investors who have significant capital gains exposure for income tax, uh, it allows them to reinvest in these renewal and restoration projects. So, for example, if Apple wanted to go... Um, Apple has said they want to build some uh, facilities here in the United States for manufacturing. Um, They would, and they have, you know, billions of dollars that they've said they're going to reinvest in the United States. They can avoid paying capital gains taxes or defer those taxes by putting them, by, by setting up one of their factories, et cetera, in one of these blighted 
economic opportunity zones. And, and, and we should encourage that because it makes jobs and it creates economic activity and it increases the gross domestic product. It's all really good stuff. You have to give people some incentives to go into these areas, thus the deferral and in some cases the forgiveness of certain capital gains taxes. So, uh, and if you really think about it, the 15% federal tax rate on capital gains, the overall economic gains to the community and the national economy are a lot bigger than the tax dollars that would have been collected initially from the investor. So it's a super, super idea. And for example, uh, Bloomberg recently had a cover story, Bloomberg uh, Business, um, on an opportunity zone which is adjacent to the Philadelphia shipyard um, that is becoming a uh, several thousand acre global logistics center with facilities for FedEx and Amazon and hundreds of companies. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting a lot of major logistics players in that, but you know. Uh, there, there are hundreds of other companies that service and support these global shippers. And, and the result of this opportunity zone has been the creation of thousands of good-paying jobs for workers who had been displaced as industry migrated out of that blighted area. So now they are building, in addition to, you know, the logistics, this global logistics center and all the hub and uh, hubbub around that, uh, in order to uh, attract employees, et cetera, they're building housing and shopping and schools. Um, and, and it does demonstrate very clearly that good public policy can be good economic policy and, and good tax policy as well. Uh, the actual revenue, the gross domestic product increase, and the velocity of money, in other words, more people with jobs spending that money, grows the economy a lot faster than saying, okay, we'll take 15% of your profits. So it works for everybody. In fact, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie has announced his involvement in a fund that is planning to work strictly on opportunity zones, and his wife, Mary Pat, uh, is one of the chairs of this project. So there's no reason to believe that this proposal is not completely on the up and up. I think they're trying to raise something like $113 million initially uh, to invest in opportunity zones. And the good Lord knows that New Jersey, if you've ever been to Trenton, um, uh, <clears throat> or in the areas around um, around um, the airport, um, that they need the reinvestment dollars. That there are there's incredible. While there is incredible wealth in New Jersey, there are areas of huge areas of extreme poverty, and so <clears throat> I think you know this is it makes sense. Okay. So, and there's no reason to believe that the proposal is not completely on the up and up because you see, Mrs. Christie was a very successful Wall Street bond trader. Her husband acknowledges in his autobiography, quote, that is called Let Me Finish. So, in reinvesting in New Jersey is part of, of, 
of burnishing uh, Christie's somewhat fallen uh, political halo. Um, But Mary Pat Christie was the principal breadwinner in the Christie family until um, he announced his run for president and she retired from bond trading in 2015. So you notice there have been no tabloid headlines. There have been no suspicions of any double dealing in what they are doing. That's because Mary Pat Christie has a great reputation in the investment world, and she wants to preserve it. And the governor, as I said earlier, still has political ambitions that he makes no secret of. It's in the title of his book. Um, So... I think probably what they are trying to do while it's going to make money, more money for people who already have a lot of money is also going to help a lot of people who don't have as much as they should have. But unfortunately, as much as we can hope that the, that this particular New Jersey fund will be successful and help people more than it you know, um, purely will help people. Um, There's another common household name that's come to the fore recently in the area of opportunity zones, and it attracted the interest of the New York Times. Way back in the night, it's a name you'll remember if you are over, clearly if you're over 50, um, but if you were paying attention, if you're over 40, the name is Michael Milken. Way back in the 1980s, um, Michael Milken made billions, with a B, billions of dollars as a junk bond trader, <clears throat> not on the up and up, who managed to bankrupt the firm he led, Drexel, Burnham, Lambert, and ended himself in a U.S. federal penitentiary for pretty close to 10 years. So if you've ever been an employee, or I I correct myself, if you've ever been a victim of a firm that experienced a leverage buyout by private capital, you can thank Milken. In If the term green mail, a form of corporate extortion that leads to downsizing um, in order to increase shareholder value, then you owe Milken because he came up with that process and theory and the name. Milken was convicted of securities fraud and securities fraud reporting uh, when he became the prototype of the character Michael Douglas played in the movie Wall Street. And you'll remember the famous line from that movie, greed is good, that still echoes today. And if you've never seen that movie, I'd go look it up on Netflix or, you know, your on-demand movies. It'll be free. Uh, It was a great film. And it really does put um, the edges of trading, some of which we're experiencing right now with the WeWorks and Uber um, IPOs, um, it, it really does give you context. So it's a good, good film. 
But since his release from prison and about with prostate cancer, Michael Milken has worked hard to restore his reputation with good works, <clears throat> high-profile cancer and other charity work, and his financial contributions to what is called the Milken Institute for Public Policy. Yes, indeed, the Milken Institute for Public Policy, which has just bought three adjacent buildings in Washington, D.C., with the intention of building a whole new home for its, for the Institute <clears throat> in walking distance from the White House. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, one of the areas of public policy interest to the Institute has long been do you, you don't need three guesses, do you? You know where I'm going. Opportunity zones. You know, nothing wrong with that. Michael Milken is a man who has made it really plain that he wants to rehabilitate himself. <clears throat> and supporting things like opportunity zones that turn blighted areas into economic powerhouses or economic... Um, economically sustainable communities is a really good thing. So if you want to rehabilitate yourself, you know, uh, supporting that and funding research into it, et cetera, is a really good thing, right? Well, <clears throat> Mr. Milken's plans also include that he wants to do it in the style to which he is accustomed, and that's quite a style, despite $600 million in fines initially, and after he got out of prison, another <coughs> set of shady deals that cost him $47 million in, um, in civil penalties. So in order to do good stuff, to be a, do good, uh, a do-gooder in the style to which he is accustomed <clears throat> and make a little money on the side. He needs to cultivate, cultivate the right sort of people. So we're the right sort of people. The very, very rich. And the very, very famous. And the very, very well-connected. So it won't surprise you that seen together... At the Milken Institute's annual gala at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Leon Black, the chairman of Apollo Global Management, which is <laughs> the follow on to Drexel Burnham Lambert, which is where Leon Black comes from. They, it's a firm that specializes in high risk, high reward equity investment for those who can afford the risk. Uh, and enjoy the high-flying life that comes with it. And what they do is they take private companies that are public and are struggling um, and reorganize them and then push them out again as public companies. <clears throat> and it's, it's perfectly legal, and it's actually a necessary part of business um, if you do it within the rules. Also at this little gala, David Solomon, the CEO of Goldman Sachs, you've heard of them. Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google and good friend of Barack Obama. 
Tom Brady, the New England Patriot quarterback, a very wealthy man uh, and a very high-profile figure to get to your gala. And wouldn't you know who else showed up? Well, would it surprise you to know Ivanka Trump, Jared Kushner, and yes, our very own Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Mnuchin, who enjoyed a ride on Milken's private jet. So it's hardly surprising that that when Mr. Milken, who owns a 700-acre parcel of land outside of Reno, Nevada, which is close to his Lake Tahoe vacation home, well, you know, that parcel is also proximate to a brand-new, spanking-new, I'm-thrilled-to-see Google complex in the building. In other words, they are building just... Because of my little pause, I'll explain. You know, I'm, what I'm saying is Google is building a, a campus adjacent to where Milken owns the 700 parcel, um, uh, acre parcel of land. All of this land, by the way, is not blighted. Right now it's beautiful, you know, high mountain prairie um, <clears throat> with great vistas of the Sierra Nevada mountains. Now, seriously, seriously, all the kidding, all the funny stuff aside, it's important for Google to have facilities in different parts of the country. I really do applaud that. I am thrilled by that. It relieves pressure on the congested San Francisco Bay Area. It spreads jobs and opportunity around the country. It attracts American workers who want to do a good job and while still owning a home and paying off their student loans, which you can do if you live in Reno, Nevada, but you can't do if you live in Silicon Valley, California. And it will expand the viewpoint of people who work for Google. Nevada, mm, not so liberal. Um, people, you know, it will, it, will ins- it, it will change the internal thinking of Google for them to have facilities outside of their little enclave in Mountain View. So I think all of that is wonderful. And Mr. Milken, the altruistic investor, says, well, what he wants to do on this 700-acre plot of land that is adjacent to the Google campus is he wants to build a tech incubator that can enjoy the synergy of being next to Google and probably some of its competitors in the future. You might imagine seeing Amazon um, Worldwide Systems there. You might imagine seeing um, uh, some of the the others there. Um, Tesla actually does have a battery factory and a research facility in Reno. So there's a reason, you know, a tech incubator would be well positioned there. It's a great idea. Now here comes the rub. It's not a blighted area in need of taxpayer assistance to develop. Heck, if you're adjacent to a Google campus, as we know here in California, it's almost like printing money. 
But, but, and here comes the whole point of my soliloquy here. At the specific direction of Secretary of the Treasury Munchen, the rules around the 27, uh, 2017 Opportunity Zone legislation were rewritten. In other words, within the Treasury, <clears throat> the first thing they did was to designate this prairie land that Milken happens to own as a blighted Opportunity Zone. And then, because Milken already owned the land and and, and the 2017 legislation applies to future purchases, not land already owned when the act was passed. Okay, so Munchen arranged for another change in the rules so that Mr. Milken's owned high-tech incubator is now allowed to rent Mr. Milken's 700-acre parcel so that the tech incubator can qualify for tax treatment under the Opportunity Zone because that rental agreement took place after the 2017 law was enacted and the provisions became applicable for reinvestment of capital gains in those zones. <coughs> I'm not going to bore you with all the details of how all this was accomplished. It, it did kind of take some time to fishbone it out. Even if the legislation being referred to specifically disallows it. In other words, what happened? The designation of a piece of raw prairie as a blighted area violates the spirit and the letter of the law, but the rulemaking allowed that change to happen. And the rent, rent back of your own 700-acre parcel also is outside the scope of the legislation. But rules often mean more in terms of legal implications in the United States these days than do congressional acts. So it is very simple. The simple way to explain how all this was accomplished is the Treasury and IRS officials simply said the Nevada property became a leased back opportunity zone at the specific direction of the Secretary of the Treasury, Steve Munchen, who had has a relationship with <clears throat> Michael Milken. So the question needs to be asked, is this an isolated case of once corrupted and manipulative person always being corrupt and manipulative? I think the answer to that question is probably yes. If I can figure out a way to do it by using my influence to get the law changed so that what I'm doing is not unlawful, why wouldn't I do that if I have the access and the influence and the cash? So is this an isolated instance of manipulation or is it a pattern within this administration? I don't know the answer to that question. 
but it's an interesting one. But here's the what if. Here's the solution. Things like this would not happen if Congress actually wrote laws instead of writing multi-thousand word statements of philosophy. Yep, Congress doesn't really pass laws. They pass these big sweeping things, okay? And then they leave the actual rulemaking, rules that have the weight of law, up to anonymous, unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats that so many of you like to refer to as the swamp, the deep state. Well, guess what? By letting Congress get away with making statements of philosophy and unelected people, including cabinet secretaries, exercise discretion within the rulemaking, as long as you let Congress get away with that, folks, you are making the swamp. Now, did I mention that Ivanka and Jared, just in closing, just to give you a closing thought to, to leave this subject with, did I mention that Ivanka and Jared are lobbying dad, dad-in-law, to pardon Mr. Milken for the crimes for which he was sent to prison? A firm went bankrupt and thousands of people lost their life savings. Is that a person worthy of a pardon? And you know what? That situation is just kind of sort of like Charlie Kushner. Just saying. Does access by capital making opportunity and a pardon? Is that what Congress intended an opportunity zone to be? Subscribe to the Reimagine America podcast at reimagineamerica.org and ricochet.com. Email Joyce at Joyce at Reimagine America Radio. Follow her on Twitter at Joyce Cordy, all one word. And you can follow the show at Reimagine Radio. This has been Reimagine America with Joyce Cordy. Take a minute now and go to www.reimagineamerica.org. Join the forum, donate, tell others, and sign up to receive future podcasts. That's reimagineamerica.org. And join us again next week for Reimagine America. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.